Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch, a church situated in Cape Town, South Africa. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that this will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. You know, I was uh, uh, praying about what to share this evening, and um, uh, we're busy with the theme, as you know, on the Holy Spirit, and uh, on everything to do with the Holy Spirit, but as I was praying about that, I was kind of like, my, my head is already in a couple of different theme or topics on the, talking about the Holy Spirit, and I'm kind of trying to get there, but I couldn't get off of um, thinking about what's going on in the world. And it's not because I'm watching the news, because I'm not. <laughs> it's because of just knowing what's going on in the world. If you don't know, then you've definitely got your head buried in the sand. And you need to <laughs> even just look on the social media and you'll see something. Um, but it's like with, um, you know, referring specifically to the potential of World War III and everything that's going on in uh, Eastern Europe and Russia, it's like, how do we pray in times like this? That was a question that came up for me. And it links beautifully to Holy Spirit, so we'll get there. But how do we pray in times like this? You know, what do we do as believers? Okay, what does an unbeliever do? They should get saved so that they don't have to panic and fret and worry. But for us as believers, like, what is our response and what is our responsibility? That's what I want to talk about. You know, how should we as Christians deal with the crisis? So you, you might not have your heart worried at all or even be thinking about what's going on in Russia and the Ukraine and in Eastern Europe. That, so it might not bother you at all. But let me, let me say this then. Uh, you'll go through a crisis in your life if you aren't already or haven't. And so the things that we're going to talk about will definitely help you in a crisis. Whether it's a, a small crisis in your life or a big crisis in the world or a big crisis in your life, uh, um, this is, I believe, going to help. Okay? But it's like, what should we do now, especially with the Russian-Ukraine uh, situation? So, I, as I was uh, meditating on this, I, I kind of had the thoughts come up of, you know, why can't everyone just get along? <laughs> well, you know, fighting is so unnecessary. These are some of the things that people will say uh, in a time like this. And uh, I, my head and my heart went straight to the words of Jesus. So Matthew chapter 24, from verse 4 to 10, the Passion. Jesus answered and says, at that time, at that time, deception will run rampant. So he's talking about the end times and he's saying many will be deceived. Okay, what's the problem with deception? You don't know you're deceived. So that's the biggest problem with deception. If you know you're being deceived, then it's not really deception, right? So beware that you are not fooled. Let me just say this. What's the best way to deal with, uh, um, not temptation, deception? <laughs> what's the best way to deal with uh, deception? Is truth. Know the truth. Then it sets you free. That's what Jesus said. So it's like we've got to know truth in order not to be fooled. So the best thing we can do in the end times in order not to be fooled or deceived is stay in the Word. Know the truth. Know Jesus. Verse 5. For many will appear on the scene claiming my authority or saying about themselves, I am God's anointed, and they will lead many astray. You will hear of wars nearby and revolutions on every side with more rumors of wars to come. So this has kind of been descriptive for many years, but especially now, this is what's going on. Okay, and then Jesus says, don't panic or give in to your fears. 
That's so important. But he continues, For the breaking apart of the world's systems is destined to happen. But it won't yet be the end. It will still be unfolding. Nations will go to war against each other and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be terrible earthquakes, seismic events of epic proportion, horrible epidemics and famines and COVID in places after place. This is how the first contractions and birth pains of the new age will begin. You can expect to be persecuted, even killed. Sorry, I I didn't want to read that part. I forgot. (laughs) You can be expected to be persecuted, even killed. For you will be hated by all the nations because of your love for me. Then many will stop following me and fall away. And they will betray one another and hate one another. So Jesus said it. Okay, Not because he wants it, but he's just telling us what's going to happen. And why is all of this happening and why will it continue to happen? Because of unsanctified hearts. That's it. Because people aren't born again. And the born again people haven't allowed Jesus to take over their heart. No other reason. Atheists can live in peace with each other, yes. But they can't live at peace with a true believer even. Okay, before someone starts talking about, uh, uh, but the, the world can experience peace, but not true peace, because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So, you know, when, when I talk about unsanctified hearts, firstly being born again, and then secondly yielding to the, the Holy Spirit within us, if we don't have that, it produces quarrels. As a believer, if your heart isn't, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, if you're not being discipled by someone or the Spirit or, 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 or uh, ministry or whatever, then self-centeredness will continuously rule you. A Christian can be ruled by self-centeredness. I know we've seen that with other people. Amen? Everyone who didn't come tonight, we know those people. They, they, they're ruled by self-centeredness and that's why they didn't come. <laughs> okay? But the point, like, I mean, imagine... Let's just case in point, just with Christians, if we had advertised, you know, Marcus Wick, the prophet, was coming here tonight. Come and get your personal word. Now, he wouldn't have enjoyed that kind of um, marketing, but let's say he, we did that. We would need more chairs. But if, I, if we had advertised, we're going to pray for Russia and Ukraine, <laughs> many of you wouldn't have been here. <laughs> because it's, it's, we're self-centered. We want a word from God. We want to be blessed. We want to be, uh, you know, and this is, uh, as I was meditating on this, I realized that you know, when, when Jesus said there in, in Matthew 24, verse 4, at that time, deception will run rampant. So beware that you are not fooled. What is he talking about? Look, the, 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 the New Living translation says, don't let anyone mislead you. So, you know, as I was thinking about that, I, I was thinking how deception will probably not come from world leaders like we sometimes think because we've watched movies it'll come from uh, 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 the pulpit and what kind of deception is it going to be deception will be that adds to the message of the pure gospel it'll be adding to the message okay so like an important thing with this don't split hairs over things that aren't eternal don't bother with things that don't, don't matter. I mean, the truth is truth, yes, but is it an eternal uh, issue? And, you know, like for a, a, great, a great example is just prosperity. 
you know, uh, 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 I believe that, that a lot of teaching on prosperity is just self-centeredness. Purely. And what does that do? It's deception. It pulls us away from one of the most important things that a believer should know. And that is... Right? I purposefully didn't say it. So, Matthew 24, verse uh, 6, the Passion says, You will hear wars nearby and revolutions on every side, with more rumors of wars to come. Don't panic or give in to your fears. For the breaking apart of the world system is destined to happen, but it won't be the end, yet be the end. It will still be unfolding. Don't panic or give in to your fears. I don't know if you, about you, but I've lived in a place once, in, inside of me, <laughs> where um, uh, I was constantly ruled by fears and panic and worry and things like that. And I don't like that. I like where I live right now, where I'm not bothered <laughs> by, by much. And, and it's such a great place to live in this place of rest and peace, just trusting God. Sometimes I have opportunities to, to panic or worry, and I might entertain that for a little bit of time, but I choose to rather just move away from it quickly, because you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? Die and be with Jesus. You know, I, I like to say as well, it's like if I owe someone money, or like if I was in debt or whatever, that they can't eat me. in a currency with cannibalism but it's like the bank can't come and say we're going to eat you now yeah, so it's like put things into perspective and it makes life much easier but if Jesus said don't panic or give in to your fears then it's possible if World War 3 broke out tomorrow because all the nations of the world decided we're against Russia don't panic or give in to your fears not because we live at the south most part of Africa <laughs> Although that might be something that you enjoy rejoicing in. But because, but because, like, God is with you. Hey, you know, a guy I'm discipling, a friend of Sean's, he's flying out tomorrow morning to go on the, uh, the border of the Ukraine to go preach the gospel. And I loved this voice note to me. He said, please, I'm going to go. I'm leaving on Monday. Would you please pray for me for opportunities and preaching the God? He's done our school of the believer. He's done ADT. He's done everything. He's ready to go. He's like, I'm ready to go. And, uh, oh yeah, and of course pray for safety, but more pray for opportunities. He was more concerned with the gospel. I sent that on to Pastor Isaac in Zimbabwe. And he was like, this guy is serious. Because uh, he is. Yeah, he's not allowing fear or panic or worry to, to torment him. And yet, without a world war, most of us allow lesser things to, to, to concern us. You know what my response to him was? My response to him was, uh, I'm jealous. You're closer at least, so you can get there easier. But it's just, it, 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 it's, it's a bit far, it's complications, all this. It wasn't because it's war, it was just because it's, there's too many other things on the go. It's not my time to go there. We, were, uh, 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 I went to, we had to see my father-in-law this week, so we were with him, and he was busy doing something, and I said to him, so he said something about something, and I said, yeah, and then when we go to the Ukraine, and, 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 and he was like, what, you want to go to the Ukraine? <laughs> I was like, I was just wait, watching your reaction, I'm just joking, you know. I would, if, if God opened the door and said go, now I would, but uh, the point is, is that uh, we, we, we shouldn't fear, we shouldn't panic, we shouldn't worry. 
I like what, what Jesus said there. The world system will fall apart because it's not perfect. So you've got to realize that things in this world are actually designed to break. Things in this world are actually designed to break. I love, love it. I've heard people like um, complain about um, a, um, a car breaking and how the devil's attacking them because their car is broken. That car was destined to break. I've, like I, I, I gave this this uh, example in America, and it went off very wrong because a geezer in America is an old person, not a water heater thing. And so you can imagine, I was in this church, and I was saying that you know, even if your ge- your geezer bursts, <laughs> and they were all laughing, and I was like, "What's going on?" And then someone shouted out, "The geezer's an old person." And I realized we had a problem. But if your water boiler or your geezer bursts in your ceiling, like, it's, it's not the devil on your case. It's destined to break. Because it's made by imperfect man. Okay? Your shoes will never last forever, no matter how much you paid for them. Or prayed for them. Yeah. Credit to Leslie. <laughs> the point is, is that, that things in this world will break. Governments will break. You can't trust in the government. You have to trust in God. Okay, the financial system can break at any moment. Anything can break. 1 John 2, verse 15 to 17, the Passion Translation. Don't set the affections of your heart on this world or in loving the things of the world. The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. For all that the world can offer us, the gratification of the flesh, of our flesh, the allurement of things of the world, and the obsession with status and importance, none of these things can come from the, uh, come from the Father, but from the world. This world and its desires are in the process of passing away, but those who love to do the will of God will live forever. And I believe when it's talking about love to do the will of God, it's first and foremost talking about the will of God that you saved and you're believing in the gospel and you receive Christ. But what we need to see here is that if our affections are, on the, are either on the world and what the world has to offer in the sense of, um, how does it put the gratification of our flesh, living for desire, living for pleasure, living for leisure, or the allurement of the things of the world, or the obsession with status and importance. All of these things fade quickly. Every, all of these things can burn. All of these things can disappear. You can go from hero to zero in 10 seconds flat. Because of an Instagram post or something that uh, was taken out of context. You know, so, so you, you, if you're relying on all of these things, <laughs> you're, you're a ship headed for troubled waters. We need to guide our hearts and make sure that we're not captivated by the temporal, but by the eternal. If you want to be unshakable in shakable times, you need to have your hearts captivated by the eternal, not the temporal. That was an amen. Otherwise, you know, you're going to struggle when things fall apart. Because listen to me, things will fall apart eventually in some way or another. Okay? I mean, when, I don't know how long ago it was, last year, because we haven't been going for a year even in Vondebosch. When the fires were here, 
and a, a Rhodes Memorial burned down and the, the windmill, whatever that was, burned down and the library burned down and whatever else burned down, burned down. It's like people love those things. I saw so many, like, and it's sad that they're gone. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying it was great. But what I am saying is that I saw some, some people online on Facebook, like, devastated. Their whole life was wrecked because the library burned down. Like, it's sad. But listen, <laughs> that, uh, eternity is a bigger, a bigger deal. Anyway, let's move on. You know, we need to guide our hearts by focusing on the right things. Matthew 6, 19 to 21. New Living Translation. Don't store up for yourself. Uh, store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and uh, rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your your treasures in heaven, where moth and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there you, the desires of your heart will also be. So let me say this: It's not wrong to have stuff. It's not wrong to want stuff, but it's wrong if you chase after stuff and if stuff has you. If you fall apart because you lose everything, I mean, you should be sad. Uh, but if you're falling apart, then it's probable that all that stuff, where your hope was in it, or yeah, it, 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 it's unhealthy. We, we need to have our focus on things eternal. One of the things that this verse is saying is in store, not storing up for ourselves treasures on, on earth where things can just come and go quickly and they can get stolen or rust or whatever. But still storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven is what is eternal? We need to consider what is eternal. Okay? We, we put a lot of emphasis... I'm going to touch someone's nerves here. We put a lot of emphasis on career. But you're not going to be a doctor in heaven. You're not going to be a businessman in heaven. I'm not going to be a pastor in heaven. No pastors are needed. I lose my job straight away. You lose your job. No presidents in heaven. Why? Because those things don't matter. Even when you come to church, if you're the president of the country, you're not the president in this room. (laughs) In, in, In the body of Christ, you're a saint. You know, we don't recognize titles here. I'm not talking about pastor. I'm talking about whatever your, uh, uh, your, your job title is. You don't come in here with your job title. You come in here as a believer, as a saint. So, you know, it's not wrong to have stuff or chase after. But it's wrong to chase after stuff. It's wrong for stuff to have us. But we can, you know, what is eternal is the question we need to ask ourselves. People are eternal. And so, one of the ways that we can invest into eternity is giving. To talk about money for a little bit. Because I give my money, it goes onto the mission, it helps reach people, it helps disciple people, and then what happens is those people are in heaven for eternity. And so my money is there. But you can't take your money with you to heaven. You can't take your investment, your holiday, or whatever... And it's not wrong to have an investment or holiday or whatever, but it's, it's wrong to do that and not be investing into the kingdom. So you can convert something that can burn into something that's eternal by investing into people, into the gospel reaching people. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom, or seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and He will give you everything you need. 
seek the kingdom of God above all else. Above all else, primarily, we should be putting God first, seeking Him. It's not seek God first and then seek something else. It's seek God first in everything. So, this is just a little bit about what Jesus tells us about the end times and the world system and everything like that that's falling apart and moving on from there to now talk a little bit about our role in in times like this and how should we respond i want to turn to esther the story of esther and just to give you a bit of a background the persian king chooses esther who's a jew uh, to be his queen after he became displeased with his current wife okay so she's choice number two and uh, Mordecai is uh, an older cousin of Esther but is also her uh, um, like a father figure to her okay and um, Mordecai overhears a plot to assassinate the king he reports it to to Esther and, uh, uh, and then Esther saves the king's life. Please don't put the scripture on yet. I haven't asked for it there. Thank you. So the, 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 then, Esther, the, then uh, uh, Esther saves the king's life. The king promotes a man named Haman to the highest position on his royal staff. Haman hates the Jews uh, and plans to, to eradicate them. Mordecai brings this news to the king. And then what? Uh, brings the news to the queen, sorry, to Esther, and, and, and he says to Esther, uh, you know, to, to bring it to the king. But Esther knows if she does this, she could be killed, because you don't approach the king unless you're summoned. So she's sitting in a dilemma of what should I do? Do I go to the king, and he might reach out to me and, 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 and grant me my request, and I might live, but I could also die. So he's in, she's in this tricky position of, I've got this information, I can help save my people because I'm a Jew, but I might lose my life in the process. So it's risky for her. Then Mordecai encourages and challenges uh, uh, um, Esther with these words. You can put it up. Thank you. Esther 4 verse uh, 14 from the message. If you persist in staying silent at a time like this, help and deliverance will arrive for the Jews from some place else. But you and your family will be wiped out. Who knows? Maybe you were made queen for just such a time as this. And long story short, God uses Esther to save the day. But what this verse is also showing us is that, you know, if she remained silent, she would have suffered, the people would have suffered, but because the, the, the messianic prophecies were coming through the Jews and, and God wanted to bring redemption to the whole world through the Jewish nation, God would have made a plan to protect the Jew, even if it was just one or a handful. They wouldn't have all been eradicated, but there would have been someone to carry on the lineage. Okay? That, that, that's one of the things that this is saying, but um, one of the, oh, there's a couple of things that it's saying here. Let me go through this. We, what we can learn from this is that we are also born for such a time as this. That's what we can see. Esther was brought to that place to be able to, to grant deliverance and grant help to the people of, of Israel. And for us in this world right now, we were born for such a time as this, 
to be able to help in whatever situation we find ourselves in, as a world. You know, we are called for such a time as this. Your calling isn't just to make money and be a successful uh, um, whatever. <laughs> your, your, your calling is to add value to the world. Eternally. So many Christians are spending many hours praying and seeking counsel from God, from pastors, from leaders, from friends, reading books. What is God's purpose for my life? And yet it's pretty simple in the Word. You know, we're not called to seek comfort and safety. And that's what we all build our lives on. And then as soon as there's a little bit of uh, 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 something out of balance, we kind of freak out at times. And that's where a lot of our crises come from. Because it's just a little bit out of balance. We're not called to be successful in the world's eyes. We're not called to be successful career-wise. We're not called to make lots of money. Okay? We're called to something much more significant. And if nothing else tonight, I want to imprint on your heart that there's significance that God's called you for. Not spectacular, but significant. We kind of say, okay, dream big. What do you want to do with your life? And we think of something spectacular. I want to be president. I want to be world famous or whatever. But here's the thing. You could be making very to little, no, no impact, let's say, for the kingdom or eternity with your spectacularness. But God hasn't called us just to be spectacular. He's called us to be significant. And significance could be in being a mom to kids and raising them up to be, be mighty men and women of God. Significance can be in you just reaching the people that are in your, your, your area and it's just a few people, like at work, or you know, discipling a few, or adding value by being part of the body of Christ. Yeah, the, the, the significance doesn't look like what the world thinks it looks like. And we should have God's definition of significance, not theirs. Another thing we can learn from this Esther story is just that we shouldn't remain silent, but we should pray. Okay, But not just pray, we must also make and take opportunities to preach the gospel, speak the truth. You can look at the, the story of Esther. And she's, she had to be bold in speaking the truth to the king. In times like this where we could be salvation for people, we need to be bold in speaking the gospel to people who need to hear it. Okay, Because the gospel will transform hearts. God wants to work through us as we live out our calling and purpose as ambassadors of Christ to bring help and deliverance to the world. We're going to talk more about that in a moment. But John 14, verse 1 to 3. John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may also be. The Passion puts verse 1 as, uh, Don't worry or surrender to your fear. For you've believed God in God, now trust and believe also in me. So, the point here, in a crisis especially, now Jesus is speaking to his disciples who are about to go through a crisis to see Jesus crucified. That's what's about to take place. Okay? And he's saying to them, don't worry, don't let your heart, let not your heart be troubled. 
Okay? If we're not letting our hearts be... If Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, then He's saying it because it's possible. It's possible to not be worried or troubled in a crisis. You allow your heart to be troubled or not. You are allowing or choosing what consumes your heart or not. You're, allow, you're, you're deciding, am I allowing a crisis and worry to consume me? Am I allowing my career to consume me? Or am I allowing my relationship with God to consume me? Which influences everything. Okay? Verse 2, it says there, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now, there's two things I want to bring out here. Firstly, uh, uh, this is talking about perspective. In a crisis, think about the bigger picture. They, he, Jesus is saying, I'm going to be crucified, you're going to see me die, but I'm doing something. And this is the second part. What is He doing? He's preparing a place for us. Okay, we'll talk about that in a moment. But He's preparing a place for us. So it's like, don't be consumed with the crisis. See the bigger picture. I'm, I'm doing something. Now, I'm not saying God orchestrates wars and organizes chaos and things to be able to be, work a bigger picture. But what I am saying is that uh, we need to think about eternity in a, in, a, in a crisis. We need to think about not the chaos, but the bigger picture. Someone with, with, with the, the Ukraine-Russian crisis um, sent me an um, uh, Instagram post, which I absolutely loved. And uh, uh, it's by a guy called uh, Token Black Guy USA. <laughs> okay? And what he wrote was amazing. So, I hope it rubs someone up a little bit. It says, because he said it, not me. He says, this is just my opinion. If your biggest problem at the moment is fighting invisible racism, gender confusion, concern about climate change, or hate for the unvaxxed, then you have a lot more privilege than Ukraine and I don't want to hear you complain. It's beautiful. Put things into perspective. And with that, I'm not saying there's some things which we should be fighting and injustices and things in the world that are out of place, that need to be put in place. But we've got to look at this and go, okay, how serious is it that I couldn't get tickets to my favorite concert? How serious is it that I can't actually pay my rent this month? It's a serious thing, but should I let that worry me or should I rather pray for Ukraine and Russia? What this verse in, in verse 2 is also saying is that we've we got to remember what was Jesus talking about when He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to disappoint some of you now. It's not talking about your mansion in heaven. He's talking about you. He's talking about the union that He would share with you. Look at it. It says there further down, it says, so that... Uh, where I am, you may also be. Where is He now? He's with you. He's in you. You're in union with Him. So, He's pointing to the union that we would share with Him because we are now the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing more encouraging than that in a time of crisis. 
it's nice if it was mansions, it would be nice to think, well, one day my house is just falling apart and blown away and, and burned down to the ground, but thank you, God, one day I'm going to have a mansion in heaven. What's more encouraging than that? Thank you, Father, that my house is burnt and washed away and nothing's left. Thank you that you are one with me and I am not alone. Right now, I'm your house. I know you might not be convinced of that, but we'll move on. In times of crisis, number one, trust God. In times of crisis, keep perspective. See the bigger picture. See your role in the bigger picture. This is one of the most important things. In a time of crisis, your personal crisis, a world crisis, you need to trust God and you need to keep perspective. See the bigger picture and then see your picture, your role, sorry, in the bigger picture. You know why you need to see your role in the bigger picture? Because your calling and purpose doesn't pause. When lockdown hit, it was amazing for me how many people could no longer fulfill their calling. Because the government is persecuting me. I can't run my convenience store. I'm called to run my convenience or my business. And uh, the government is persecuting me and preventing me from, from running my convenience store. I'm just throwing out the most random thing I can think, so it's not your example. And people were upset because I can't fulfill my calling now. That's not your calling. That's just your vehicle. Being a doctor, lawyer, teacher, pastor, whatever, like all of that type of stuff, the job part of the, the ministry even, it's just a vehicle to be able to be an ambassador of Christ, a minister of hope, someone who carries hope and healing to the world. Okay? So you need to see your role in the bigger picture in a crisis because your, your calling does not pause. And then there's two other things. In a time of crisis, number one, guard against fear and worry. We heard Jesus say those a couple times, right? Guard against fear and worry. Don't allow your heart to be troubled. And then secondly, guard against self-centeredness. Because what happens in a time of crisis? You're going through a time of crisis... And all of a sudden, you put your boundaries up and you're now protecting yourself. You're looking after your self-interest and it's like, well, sorry, can't help anybody right now. Stay away from me. And you're pushing everyone away and you're keeping them away because this is my little uh, car, so I need to look after myself. And you know what? God wants you looked after, but He's never called you to be self-centered. Look after yourself before you can look after other people. Amen. You're not called to look after the whole world. Amen. But you are called to look after others. You are called to care for others, especially the body of Christ. We're supposed to be looking after each other and ministering to each other and looking out for each other. And so in a time of crisis, whether it's a personal crisis, if you're going through a personal crisis, one of the best things that you can do is look at how you can bless somebody else. You're falling apart. Things are going wrong. Who can I bless today, Father? Please just put it on my heart. Like, oh, Jamie. Let, Jamie, let me, let me take Jamie a meal. You know, yeah, like, just, just step out and do that. And it's just an act of forcing yourself to take your eyes off of yourself. Because life's not about you. 
And the reason why we're often upset and grieving and, and, and just uh, uh, experiencing a crisis like we, we, we shouldn't <laughs> is because we're just focused on ourselves. We're not focused on anyone else. We're focused on ourselves. So if we were living selflessly like Jesus did, hanging on the cross, what does He say? He's going through a crisis. Amen? <laughs> he's going through a crisis. We know the end of the story, but He's going through a crisis. What does He say? Father, forgive them. He's not thinking about Himself. Okay, let's forget about Jesus. You guys think about Jesus the Son of God. Think about Stephen. Okay? Stephen is being stoned to death. Not by drugs. By stones. Rocks. People are picking up rocks and they're throwing it at him. Okay? That's the, the biblical stoning. And they're throwing them at his face and they're throwing them at his chest and everywhere else. And it's hurting him. I mean, have you ever had a rock thrown at you? I can't remember, but I know I have. <laughs> yeah, it's sore. It's sore. And then Stephen says, Father, don't hold this sin against them. Even in his crisis, he was thinking about other people. And that helped him get through his crisis. You know, uh, 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 Pastor Isaac, it just jumps in my head, so I'll share it. In, in Zimbabwe, he, he um, went through a crisis. It's a bit of a crisis. Where he, he woke up the one day and went downstairs and someone was trying to walk out with his TV. You should call that a crisis, right? And you know what he did? He called the police. You know what he did? He went to the, the police station with this uh, guy, this thief. And you know what he did? He sat there while they were trying to do the paperwork, before they got the paperwork done because they were busy, and he, he shared the gospel with this guy. And he said, I'm not sharing this with you. We're at the police station. I'm not sharing this with you to try and let you off the hook. But I'm sharing this gospel with you because you need to, you need to, to, you think about your eternity. The guy gets saved, thinking he's going to jail. And then uh, uh, the policeman comes and says, okay, let's uh, charge him. He's like, no, there's nothing to charge. <laughs> the policeman was very upset with him. But he dropped all the charges. And then he said to this guy, he said, if you're ever in the area, please come and have something to drink with me. And if you need anything, just take it. If you want my TV, you can take it. He's like, I'll give you whatever you want. He's like, but, but uh, uh, he was thinking about this guy and his well-being, not his well-being. Okay? God against self-centeredness. 1 Timothy chapter 2. This is one of the ways. Now we've got to remember, we are ambassadors of Christ. Whether the world's in war or whether the world's not in war. We are ambassadors of Christ. We might not be in the Ukraine or Russia right now or Eastern Europe where we can do something hands-on. But we can do something here and it's prayer, obviously. Okay, so we'll talk about that in a moment. But one of the things I just wanted, while it's in my mind, which I, I posted it on Instagram, and it really blessed me, was this missionary couple in Ukraine who are now uh, uh, having hosting a church or looking after a building at uh, um, a military base. Um, they've uh, helped people get out of the country and they're staying. They said, I, I love their, their report. They said, how could we leave? Why would we leave? Why would we leave now? This is when we're needed. See, we need to think differently. When a crisis comes, self-preservation becomes number one. But we don't think about other people. We think about ourselves. 
But in a crisis, especially if we're Christians, we should be thinking, I wonder if they're okay. Not how can I make sure I'm okay, but how are they doing? You know, a, 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 a while back when um, uh, Zimbabwe went through a bit of a crisis, and I can't remember everything that happened. Uh, it was a few years back, and I made a video, and I said to all the churches, you know, Zimbabwe is going through a, a crisis again. And I said, um, you know, let's, um, uh, 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 let's take an offering for them. For the church that we, we have there. And, and we took an offering, and people were very generous, and we sent an offering to them. And uh, after the, the video, the, when we got home, uh, my, William, my, my eldest, maybe he was, it was about three years ago or so, he was like, whatever money we would spend on ice cream now, let's give it towards Uncle Lamek in Zimbabwe. It was motivated by, let's, let's reach out, let, let's be a blessing. We don't need this so much. Let's think about someone else. 1 Timothy 2, 1-5 says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for presidents, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For it is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ. Now breaking this down, firstly it says, first of all, so this is talking about a priority. It's a priority for us to pray for all men, not just ourselves. So what's your prayer list look like? God bless me. God, uh, help me get that job. God, uh, heal me. And there's all things that God wants to do and wants, wants you to do well, but like, what about the, the, the rest of your prayer time? You're talking to God. What, what, what are you focused on? Are your prayers self-centered or are they focused on eternity? You know, we, we, in Grace Life, we like to call it a hit list. People that we're trusting that will receive Christ. Who are you praying for that you need to share the gospel with? Or that needs to hear the gospel and receive it. You know, in times of crisis, are we praying for peace? I'm pausing there. Because with a war, we would all be saying, Lord, help the, the war to stop. Firstly, I ask, how does he answer that? Secondly, why are we focused on something temporal when eternity is more important? We want the war to stop. I'm not saying the war should continue. But we, we, we get on to that now. But most of us are praying for peace so that we can have peace. Because we feel comfortable in peace. Not so that people will get saved. We're focused on ourselves and wanting to live in comfort. This turned out a bit heavier than I thought. Sorry. <laughs> then it says pray for leaders and for government. So, you know, when we're praying for leaders and governments, please don't answer because you're probably going to be wrong. <laughs> what should we pray for? Think about it. What should we pray for when we are praying for leaders in government? Why should we pray for them? The answer is coming. The reason we pray for them is so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Why do we want a quiet and peaceable life? Because it's difficult or it's more challenging to share the gospel in times of war. 
At, at the, the, the mission school, at boot camp, we, we, a lot of people, read, we, everyone had to read a, a, a missions biography, and a, a lot of people read about the Second World War and times like that. And you know what? These guys, the war didn't deter them from sharing the gospel and from going for it. But it was more challenging. Much more challenging. In times of war, it's not easy to share the gospel. Now, for us here in South Africa, it's easy to share the gospel. And yet we'll wait for a time of war probably before we, we, we really go for it. 1 Timothy 2 verse 1 in the message says, Pray especially for rulers and their governments to rule well, so we can be quietly, going, uh, uh, can be quietly about our business. Here's the question. What is our business? It says it in the next verse. Uh, 1 Timothy 2 verse 4. Who will have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So this is our business because it's God's business. He wants everybody saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So if the reason we pray is because God's will is salvation and correct knowledge, then we need to pray needs to be in line with His will, not ours. We, we don't just pray for momentary peace but we need to pray for His eternal will, which is salvation, which brings in eternal peace. Okay, I'm just trying to help you see the, a, 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 a bigger perspective. Yeah, if, if, we're, if we're praying and trusting that the economy doesn't crash because we want to, 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 to do well in this world, we want our stocks to do well. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But the point is, it's like people are dying and going to hell. And that's more devastating than us losing everything in this life. So, God's, what are God's priorities? What is His strategy? Your God's priority is all men be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Plain and simple. That's why I say it's, it's, it's very funny for me how we spend a lot of time about what's my purpose, and yet we see God's purpose, and when we become His children, we're born again into the family business. How, do, how does a nation change? Yeah, I was thinking about in terms of if uh, Russia occupies Ukraine, what would some of the implications of that be? Not against Russia, obviously I'm against the war though. There's good Russians and bad Russians. There's good Christians and bad Christians. Amen? But the point is, is that like, what would some of the implications be? It would be more difficult to be a Christian. That's one of the things. And did you know that the Ukraine is the biggest sender of missionaries in Eastern Europe? I read that today. I was amazed. So that would probably come to a more difficult... <laughs> that would slow down if, if, if Russia occupied them and took over. But how does a nation change? How does Russia change? How does South Africa change? It's not by praying for change. Nowhere in the Bible does it say pray for your country to change. And it will change. Okay? When the church does their job, and church I mean Christians, when you do your job in preaching the gospel and making disciples, things change. When we tell people to come to church, things don't change because that's just religion. But when a church together, as a body of believers, when we start preaching the gospel, it's not about preaching the gospel in here, it's about preaching the gospel out there. 
It's not about just making disciples in here. It's about us making disciples out there. When we start focusing on the mission in the right place, things can start to change. Okay, As people receive salvation, which is the Spirit of God living in a man, as people receive salvation and as they yield to the Spirit within them, yielding to the Spirit within them is discipleship, then their hearts will change. And if the hearts of men change, a nation changes. You know, I was involved with politics, I come from politics. And Christians in politics is necessary, I agree with it, but most, a lot of Christians in politics have this mindset of we need to change the laws so we can have a godly nation. When we need to change the, we, the gospel isn't interested in what the laws are. Have you ever seen that? The Bible, the, 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 the gospel isn't interested in what is the law. The, the, the Bible is interested in the hearts of men. If people are changed in their hearts, you won't need to tell them, don't kill. You won't need to tell them, don't steal. You won't need to tell them what to do because they'll have the Spirit of God dwelling in them, governing them. And yes, we do need laws because people... Uh, uh, some people are wicked and they haven't received the, 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 the truth and they haven't been uh, regenerated, etc. But the point is, is that as when men receive the gospel of peace, that's one of the ways that the gospel is referred to. When men receive the gospel of peace, then the Prince of Peace comes to live in their hearts. And when we allow the Prince of Peace to rule in our hearts, peace can rule in the nations and in the world. But we've got to see this. We are God's plan. 2 Corinthians 5.20 We are ambassadors for Christ. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead. Come back to God. We need to be going into all the world. We need to be praying for opportunities to go into all the world. We need to be seeking to help bring change through the gospel. The gospel is God's answer for the, the, the crisis in Russia and Ukraine. So, priorities. We must always remember that most often we are looking at the here and now while God is looking at the bigger picture. And yes, His heart is for peace. But eternal peace is far more important than temporal peace. We can live in peace on earth and have eternal destruction. So, put things into perspective. So, how, you know, what do we pray then concerning the presidents of Russia and Ukraine? I say presidents of uh, Russia and Ukraine because I can't say the Ukrainian president's name. <laughs> but how do, we, you know, how do we pray for them? And for our president and for any other president, how do we pray for kings and, and, and all those in authority? We pray for salvation. We pray for opportunities for believers to come across their path and preach the gospel to them. And we pray for discipleship opportunities that their hearts would change and fall in line with the gospel. You can have an ungodly president who does a great job, but not praying for his salvation or her salvation would be wicked on our part because it's, we don't want someone to govern well. So don't just pray for wisdom for presidents. Often we're just praying for wisdom. Lord, give the government wisdom. Give the government wisdom. You know the wisdom that they need? Is the wisdom unto salvation. <laughs> 
so that they can govern properly. So do we pray for peace and safety? Of course. But how does that come? We've got to ask ourselves that. Luke chapter 10, last verse, verse 2 to 3. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask Him to send more workers into the field. This is the first thing that we need to pray. God, send people into the mission field there. God, we know, we know Timothy is going from Eastern, from Germany, so we pray for Timothy. If we can support Timothy, we support Timothy. We pray for that couple, I, I, I miss their names, that are, are staying in their Ukraine. If you know anybody else who's, who's there or in Russia or wherever and is doing something, pray for them. Pray that, that they, would, they would have everything that they need. And if you can help me to need to be able to enable them to be there, then give. But we need, to, we need to be practical in this. God send people to do something there. But then, don't forget the next verse there, verse 3. This is beautiful, watch this. It says, now go. <laughs> so, he says, pray for the Lord of the harvest to send workers, and then he says, now go. And remember, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. So don't be unprepared to go. Be prepared to go. Okay, meaning even if it's, it's praying for the people in your, your, your office or praying for, the, praying for the people in your life. It's like, Lord, I thank you for opportunities for the gospel to come into their life. Thank you that you'll send laborers across their path so they can witness to them, so that they can, can share the truth with them, so that they can receive the truth. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is working in their hearts and in their lives. But Father, if you want me to go, if you want me to share, then I'll go. Then I'll go. Then, I, you know, then I'm not, because I'm not, I'm not just here for me, I'm here for you. And it's, it's funny, like we, we'll sing songs like that. You know, here I am Lord, whatever you want with me, I surrender, whatever songs you want to you sing. But it's like so often when, 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 the, 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 uh, when it comes to it, we're not willing to actually go. But here's the good news, you're at the southernmost parts of Africa. So, so don't worry about that right now. Just be like, Lord, how can I pray for the brothers and sisters in Russia, Ukraine, and Eastern Europe? How can I, I, I stand with them? Because the Bible says we're part of them. They're part of us. So we need to be looking out for them in this way even. And how do we do that? Primarily, it's just praying in the Spirit. And as we're praying in the Spirit, God will, will and, you, and you're just focusing in on them, then your heart is, you're, from your heart you're releasing, from your Spirit you're releasing God's will into that situation. And you're, 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 as you're praying, as you're thinking of Christian workers there and ambassadors of Christ there, you're saying, Father, just strengthen them. Encourage them now. If there's a way that I can be involved and support them, let me know. And let, let Him guide you and lead you and, and whatever. But then just, just, just be Spirit-led in that. I was really encouraged because today at all the campuses we, we prayed for the, um, the Ukraine and Russian situation. Can you put the slide up for that please? It's an announcement slide. But uh, uh, at first I sent out a slide to all the campus pastors and it said pray for Ukraine. And then someone said and Russia. And I was like, oh yeah, let me add that in. <laughs> and then I, I kind of worked it out and I was like, no, no, no. We'll put the Russian and Ukrainian flag that are kind of merging into one another. And we'll say pray for gospel increase. So at all the campuses, that's what we've been praying for today. And we've also been praying for Timothy, because at least we know Timothy. And we know tomorrow he's flying out to um, the Poland border. 
of the Ukraine and he's going to go with a team to go and preach the gospel and help people who are coming over as uh, refugees. And what really blessed me, okay, so now we'll pray, we're going to spend a few minutes in prayer and we're just going to pray in the Spirit and we're just going to be uh, 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 just, just praying. So if you want to pray then you can come up and pray from the mic, we won't go long. But what really blessed me was um, uh, uh, one of the campuses sent me four recordings of um, words for Timothy. And they, they had felt things on their hearts from the Spirit, and now I'm going to forward them to him and encourage him with what those people uh, are sent. And so if the same thing applies for you, if you've got a word, then afterwards we just record it and we send it on. But the point is, is that this is one of the ways we can stand with the body of Christ. So often we come to church and we want to learn how to get rich quick. Or we want it to be healed. Or we want it to, to, to be encouraged because we're feeling a little bit down or something. And God wants that for you. But this is our business. This is what we're called into as Christians. This is what maturity looks like, is taking responsibility for brothers and sisters in Christ which we haven't met yet. And you will meet them one day. So we're going to put it into practice now. Let's uh, stand. If you're ever in the Cape Town area, we want to invite you to come fellowship with us at one of our life groups or Sunday gatherings. You can find out more about Grace Life Rondebosch via email at info at gracelife.co or check us out on our Facebook page, Grace Life Rondebosch.